Uh, hello. Oh, there he is. Hello, Wheels. Hello, mate. How are you going? <laughs> I'm good. Need us ask the first question. Are you ready? Wheels, why did you lift people at, with those <laughs> at, at training too? Did you ever lift Nita? Yes, I did my first year. <laughs> um, Your first year? Yeah, my first year. So a good way to introduce yourself to the team. <laughs> Um, we're playing a handball game as we did back in the day, and um, he was running down the sideline. And I was coming across to, to touch him or tackle him, and he stepped back inside right into my shoulder and um, we're picking him up and dumping him. And then, as I was on top of him, he trying to eye gouge me. So, um, oh. yeah, it's a great thing for the captain to be doing. One he, of the young draftees, yeah, he wouldn't have taken to, to lightly to that early days. He would have been, yeah, definitely with the eye gouge, but he's such a, a placid fellow, he would have given you a pat on the back later, surely. Didn't help with Ox giving it to him because Ox is on my team. So uh, young bloke just picked him up and dumped the skipper. So <laughs> that's fantastic. I did not know that. I don't know what I was doing, but that was in probably two... on his team. <laughs> yeah, that's probably on his team. That don't worry. I had my run-ins with Nita, didn't I, Nate? I I used to hurt him a lot, and Nita said he loved it. I used to hurt Nita a lot. I don't know what it was. Of course, I was trying to sit on his shoulders all the time. That didn't help. So there was one time. Trying yeah. to pour cold water down his back when you fight. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> you guys will never let me forget it. Uh, neither will the media. <laughs> Nita said he loved it when you when you lifted him. He knew that he had a, a hardcore tackling machine. Um, before I go on with any more crap, um, Wheels, welcome to you, mate. I'm so, so glad to see you. Um, uh, I, I suppose a forgotten figure, a lost figure amongst this, this premiership stuff. You're working at the club at the moment, I'll bet probably from home over the last 12 months or so, um, Indigenous Affairs at the club and obviously uh, um, been working pretty hard at that for the last couple of years, three, what, five years now, four, five years? Um, started 2017, I think, so. Yeah. So. God, time flies, mate. Mm. So firstly, let's let's hear about your role and then let's unpack everything that you used to do for the days when you were a player and even before that. Yep. So, um, yeah, basically I'm an Indigenous Projects Officer. Uh, I'm not sure if my title's changing this year with all the sort of mandate um, that they have now with uh, sort of my roles going into every single footy club. Yep. Um, yeah, so basically my job was to uh, look after the welfare of the Indigenous players and advise the club on how best to go about that and sort of anything, I guess, Indigenous affairs as well. Yeah. What's happening in the community, um, whether it's Black Lives Matter, all that sort of stuff that, that's been happening. So just to probably get a feel of what the community's thinking and what our stance is on, on those sort of issues. Awesome, man. Yeah, and look, we, we, we went through a whole learning thing when I, I mean, I was working at the club full time too when you came on board and um, uh, we went through a whole learning, a um, couple of uh, key speakers came in and we, we I feel like the, the, the premiership team that we have now, um, you know, and I've been saying it for a long time now, we've been building towards this over a long time, not just with what we're doing at the club, but the supporters and the support that they've given us over the last 10 years. We've been building this premiership team. It's been a slow build. It hasn't been a something that just happened overnight. And this is a big part of what's made our club such a good place culturally. Um, learning a little bit more about the fellow man and, and what you've done in this place, mate, it must make you proud. Yeah, very proud. Um, obviously, this year sort of culminated in, in a lot of uh, about 20-odd years of work for me, um, you know, 10 as a player and 11 as a supporter. Yeah. Um, just seeing the boys, the way they go about things, or the club, the way they go about things. Um, and we've got charities we work with and we try to do our best to, I guess, give back and help support them and um, give them the exposure that they deserve and um, yeah, help out any way we can. And one of the things that obviously we've done yeah. in recent times in the, in the Indigenous space is the grassing of Santa Teresa Oval. 
Yes. And the people there say that's just the karma that's come back. You, you put yep. stuff, good stuff out in the world and then, you know, come back and we win the premiership. So I'll take that. Hey, if you don't know um, what Wheels just mentioned there, guys, um, the Santa Teresa Oval is right in the heart of Australia. It's uh, it's about an hour and a, hour and a bit down the road, down a very dirt track road uh, to uh, from Alice Springs. And Santa Teresa is a, a place that I, I'm going to say, Wheels, go on a limb and say it was a probably a a place set up 100 years ago, 50, 100 years ago by a Christian um, uh, white Christian, what would you call them, um, trying to trying to spread the missionaries. The sort of missionaries. Thing. That's the one. Thank you very much. And you can see the remnants of all that now, but it's very much Indigenous now. But they have what is uh, what every Australian town should have is a footy oval and a pretty decent oval too. But it's it it's dust, right? It's dirt. At one time, it was grass, right? Mm-hmm. And and guys, what happened was the water was taken away through politics, through. Um, look, let's not get into that. It was it was all to do with the government up there. Um, but the Melbourne Football Club, through uh, the, the help of yourself and a couple other key people like Jackie Emerton, uh, decided that it was going to be something the club did was to grasp this oval because everyone just loves footy in the middle of Australia. So can you t- just tell us a little bit more about that, Wills? Yeah, so one of the things we uh, did when I first started was um, the club was in the process of launching their first reconciliation action plan. So basically it's just a document that sort of holds the uh, club accountable to um, specific things that we say we're going to do um, in the Indigenous space. Um, and one of the things as part of that uh, wrap, I wanted um, to do a cultural immersion. Um, so instead of just going out to a community, doing a clinic, patting ourselves on the back and then going yeah. um, away, actually wanted to stay there and get to know the people and that sort of thing. So we did that um 2017 and then as a uh, we wanted to give back some money to the community to say thank you for doing that but they wouldn't um, take any money from us and yeah. you know, was like, oh, can we help with something then you know and they said sort of jokingly on the email that um, they'd love us to help regrass the oval as a bit of a throwaway comment and then um, a fellow called Jimmy Martin um, who works in our IT department um, he's the one who sort of said leave it with me and then he chased it up and yeah got the ball rolling and then you got some government grants and that sort of stuff and kick-started everything and then yeah, was it two or three years later? We've um, got a grass oval for them, so yeah, um, a lot of work's gone into it, and a lot of, like you said, a lot of people have helped along the way. Um, members have donated that kind of thing, so very thankful for that. For that. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of good people done a lot, a lot of work. Um, we've got some other projects we're doing with them as as well at the moment, but that's probably going to be a bit further down the track. Yeah, and look, the supporters were great as well because I know some people donated towards that uh, project. It wasn't a cheap, a small deal. So if you get a chance, and let's move off that now because we've got plenty to talk about, wheels about you. Uh, but that that uh, aerial view, if you can check it out, I don't know if you can find it on our website, wheels. I'm sure you can, melbournefootyclub.com. Uh, see how it was dust before, red dirt, uh, red dust, and now it's green. And the other thing is it's also uh, saving lives health-wise too because mm. of the the eye um, a disease. Trachoma. Trachoma, um, which this this disease, uh, it, it's, it lives in the dust. It lives in the dirt, doesn't mm. it? And, and yeah. obviously young kids get in there and they rub their eyes and they rub their noses and their faces and it gets into their eyes and causes blindness. So... It's just phenomenal, this whole thing. So if you get a chance to check out that whole project that our very own Matty Whelan was a huge part of, you'll feel really good if you do read up on it. Um, a quick question because there was someone just asked before, I can't remember, uh, about uh, Liam Jones today um, or maybe yesterday, Wheels. Did you catch wind of this? Liam Jones, Carl oh. home, has retired because he doesn't – it looks as though it's because he doesn't want to have – there it is from De- uh, Dead Frank. 
Dead Farang says because he doesn't want to have the uh, the jab. What are your thoughts on that, mate? Jeez, huge. It's a big move. I mean, each to their own, and you know, it's mandated from the government, so unfortunately, we have to do it. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one, but yeah. um, you know, as part of our role, we have to be vaccinated. So I'm fully vaxxed. So yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's, a, it's definitely, definitely, you know, sticking up for what he believes in, which is great yeah. for him. Yep. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting to see what happens down down the track. Um, I guess with other jobs, because if he wants a job somewhere else, he's probably still going to have to get um, vaccinated somewhere along the line. But yeah, yeah good on him for sticking up for his, his beliefs. That's right. Hey, uh, uh, Wheels, Ben Shadel says, give us a wave, mate. Recca, hey, Recca, give us a wave. <laughs> there, I used to like that one in, in during the games, that one. It was a good one. <laughs> That's all right, eh? <laughs> Gee, love your wheels. Everybody's jumping on. Now, we do love your wheels because you and I are from the same era. Um, we came through together. I was a couple of years before you got to the club. I'm a little bit older, as you can see. Uh, but you you and I retired on the same day, which was a sad day, but it was also a wonderful day. Um, mm. You came to the club at a time of steady progression. We were really finding out something new. We were starting to go through some success. Um, but you also, what I wanted to talk about mostly was that you were able to set up some success for some other guys, namely Aaron Davey, um, namely Liam Jara, uh, uh, Nev, Nev, Nev Jetta, um, some guys that, that came to the club after you that really, and I mean this guys, Melbourne fans that are on the show right now, they really look to Wheels as the big daddy, and he's a big daddy now, but he's a big daddy then as the guy that, who was really, he's come from, Darwin and he's living in the white man world and you really looked after these guys and helped them out mate was that something was that a pressure you felt did you just do it was it natural for you to just help out that way it's just natural um growing up sort of around big families and that sort of stuff and um it was my responsibility I mean when I first got to the club I had um Jeff Farmer and um Scott Chisholm that were there yeah um Scott finished up I think in the 2000 and then Jeff left to um Fremantle the Prince 2001 or two um and then, you know, it was basically, I was there by myself for a bit and then Aaron came uh, along with Joel, Joel Campbell. Yeah, um, Jolly Campbell. Then, yeah, Jolly <laughs> Campbell. So, um, uh, yeah, so it was basically just my my role at the club to help um, I just give them advice and steer them, I guess, how to be professional footballers. And not that I was great at it myself, but um, I was a little bit better than them. But, um, yeah, I think I think the senior Indigenous player, every um, AFL club takes on that responsibility. Um, because when you get a young bloke coming in, they're not going to go up and speak to the, the leadership group. They're going to come and speak to the Indigenous fellows who they feel comfortable with. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where I think all minorities stick together. So yeah, um, yeah. You know, we're in the minority in Australia here. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just something you just do. Um, don't even think anything of it. So, yeah. 100%, mate. And, and look, there's some questions here. Nikki's got a really great one coming from a, a fiancé, but I'll, I'll – Get to that in a second because it's something we've got a video on, and and Dave's going to build uh, get that one ready for me, and it's the hit on Jimmy Herb, which you'll remember very very well. But um, uh, the question I was going to ask, well, it wasn't a question really; it was more of a, a, a remembering a story. Do you remember? And everyone loves stories, and I know the fans that are watching the show love stories. We'd been beaten pretty badly, and I'm talking when when Liam Jara was at the club, so probably in his second year, maybe even his first year. I reckon it was probably 100 points. Dean Bailey was our coach. Remember this? We got smashed, and we were told on a wintry, freezing, not too dissimilar to what we've got outside today, uh, winter's day uh, recovery session. We've rolled in, feeling crap because we'd been spanked. We know we're going to get into trouble in the uh, the meeting room. 
we go into the meeting room and Bales goes to us, righto, boys. If you think you can accept that as a, as a result and the way you played, I've got another thing for you. Get in your cars, go down to, I can't remember what the Kerford name of the road. Kerford Road. There's a pier <laughs> at the end of Kerford Road. I want you all to bloody well walk out at the end of that and jump off it. All right, okay, no worries. So we all bundled into our cars and off we go. We all carpooled down there. We all got out of our cars and there was a lot of bravado. There was a lot of woos as we're running out and it just realised how long this pier was. It just kept going, remember? It's like, this is one of the longest pier Melbourne's got. We get all the way at the end it's freezing. And one by one, we all just plop up. And, and I plop off. And I remember Liam Jarrah, the man that comes from Central Australia, not like more centre than any centre there is, like the hottest hot part of Australia. <laughs> All the colour break from his face is like, what am I doing? <laughs> and he just went crazy and he jumped in. God love him. He jumped in and he swam in and we all swam in. We got in our cars and... We all jumped in the showers together because we only had four shower heads, remember, at the junction over where we were. So we're all huddling in the shower together to warm up. <laughs> and then what happened? We always tell them what happened next. And then we get back into the, 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 the vault or the meeting room and then the uh, coach goes, all right, back to Kerford Road and do it again. Not again. <laughs> I think we ended up doing it three, three times, didn't we? think so we were all warmed up we put our clothes back on we our towels were drenched we put the oh so cold got back in the meeting room okay let's get smashed in this meeting he goes off you go do it again so we had to get back in our cars and go and do it again and to his credit leon jara i think he was the one i'm from tasmania i've got no excuses ever it's just par for the course but for him that would have been just absolutely awful hey wills you were one of uh you you um, don't give yourself enough credit because you really were able to um Control yourself. I mean, in terms of the parties and the and the frivolity that you can get up to, and we can we see it happen all the time with AFL players. You know, Jordan Tagoe goes overseas and creates some uh, some strife for himself. You were able to keep away from all of that, and I'm just about to tuck myself into a nice little Russell's Reserve whiskey that Davo's made for me. How, how terrible I buy my own whiskey. <laughs> I saw it. That's my name. I'm going to buy that. I like a whiskey, but you don't drink, mate. You never went on any footy trips. Maybe one footy trip oh. in your life. Well, yeah. talk to me. Talk to me about that. Why didn't you uh, get involved in any of that stuff? Um, I don't know. I guess growing up, um, I saw a bit of um, a lot of problems with alcohol um, in my family and that sort of stuff. When we have barbecues and stuff with family fighting, um, and I remember this from a really young age, actually. And I just, I don't know, it always stuck in my mind. And then. When I was about 15 or 16, my brother, he's, he's, he said, my brother's five years older than me. He basically said to me, if I ever touch drugs or anything, he's going to bash the absolute, you know, what out of me. <laughs> um, and so I reckon all of growing up till I was about 21, I, I had seriously, I had one beer. Yep. Um, and then on my 21st, I drank and then probably maybe another five or 10 times in the next 10 years, probably something yeah. like that anyway. Yeah. But I wasn't, like I said, wasn't a very big drinker. Uh, I don't like the taste of it, but it's probably a good thing. I had enough trouble controlling my weight just with the food, <laughs> let alone alcohol. <laughs> uh, this is true. This is true. It's been a battle for you since since you finished, but you're doing a good job at the moment, mate. You've lost when a lot was, of weight. When I was playing, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, well, while you were playing, it was always uh, there was those days with the uh, calipers when we got our skin folds here. So, uh... <laughs> jaws, of, jaws of life for me, a big tongs, man. Like... <laughs> Sometimes they couldn't open up enough. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I'd be in Dana's office once a month. Every time I played crap, I'd be straight in there. 
you got to lose some weight, Wheels. You got to get fit. Much. <laughs> uh, the Wrecker Wheelin, obviously, uh, Wheelin is a company of uh, wreckers, and that's where you've got a lot of uh, Wheelins have been called the Wrecker. But you really lived it, uh, Wheels, didn't you? And and people have alluded to this question, which will take us back. So I want to show this footage. Uh, Dave is going to work feverishly Try. over here to to get it across. So it's it's you know what it is. It's when the Great Southern Stand, uh, sorry, the the new Olymp- the Olympic Stand and the new Stand was being built, and the camera angles down low. I remember that. We're playing Essendon. It's a final. Press play and see what happens, Davo. Watson. We'll try it again. We'll try it again. Hang on, let's try that again. We just missed the start of it. This is awesome, and it's a bit pixelated, but that's okay. It's just what YouTube does. I remember that so vividly, Wheels. I remember after, or just as that goal was going through from Tigger, the the surge of the crowd was only, I mean, of course they're going to scream for a goal in a big game like that was. Ben Shadow says better than sex this is. <laughs> Absolutely. The chill down my spine when that goal went through because it was on the back of that massive hit on there. Big dog, their man, James Hurd. You saw him, Wheels. You lined him up. Talk me through it. Talk me through the moment. No, I just remember um, the handball. First off, I actually thought I could intercept the, the ball because it was a pretty high handball. <laughs> Not a great handball, to be no, honest. No, it wasn't. It was a hospital. Um, and that was my first instinct was to go to actually intercept the ball. And then I realized I wasn't going to get there. And then it was just basically just try try hit him hard and knock him out. Unfortunately, yeah. I didn't do a good enough job because I think he ended up going forward for most of that game and then <laughs> won on the game pretty much. So, um, oh, yeah, he's a yeah. very tough, tough footballer, wasn't he? It's just a shame, really, because, I mean, obviously, he yeah, he was. And you wouldn't think so by looking at him, would you? But he oh. was. He was so tough. It's a tough mm. game out there. And to have the flopsy blonde hair and to lope around like he did, he was an absolute freak. You used to think to yourself, how's he doing this? He does not look like a footballer. But that was a spine-tingling hit. And you used to do that all the time. Benny Shadows, I've got a bit of a uh, love affair with our wheels, doesn't he? He's got your, got one of your jumpers, and thanks for getting one of the greatest days of all time on the show. Wow, that's that's nice to hear that, uh, wheels. Uh, Melinda says, would have been nice to take him down a peg or two, and absolutely you did. You played rugby growing up, wheels. This is where this tackling and hitting like this came from, yeah? Yep, yep. Where, um, so, like I said, my brother was brother's five years older than me, so... Um, he moved to boarding school in Darwin. So I was raised in Catherine. Um, and then uh, we, we followed footsteps and, you know, we moved to Darwin. And then my brother was playing rugby league and rugby union. We went to a Catholic school, St. John's College. So he had the, the brothers and that, that were, I think, bosses of those schools. So yep. um, yeah, he used to get out of <laughs> detention, my brother, by going and playing rugby for the school. So um, <laughs> I just followed in his footsteps, just try to be like the older brother. But dad grew up in um, South Australia. Yeah. To... Um, uh, Ross Trevor College, also yep. a famous footballing college over there, and then wanted me to try um, football, AFL, and then, yeah, so then I sort of fell in love with the game and, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it, it certainly flowed through into the way you um, you played uh, your AFL game of football, and, and Dan has loved it, didn't he? Neil Dan, her, your coach for your, your tenure at the Melbourne Football Club, 
As much as he called you into the room when it came to uh, skinfold test time, he, he did enjoy having you on the halfback flank, didn't he? Oh, I think I think he did. Hopefully, hopefully, I won him over pretty pretty early. I remember um, one of one of my first in my first year as well. Um, uh, I tackled one of the senior players pretty 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 hard, and the senior yeah. player didn't like it. Yeah, and then it was his turn to tackle me, and I, I, I got him early, and I knew it was coming, so I dropped yeah. him as well. And yeah. then, like, Danners was standing right there loving it. Like, uh, and he's like, all right, I've got to change partners now because he was getting a bit fiery between us two. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just love the physical side of things. Yeah. One, one thing that drove me um, in my footy career was um, I was sitting at the back of my old man when I was about 14 or 15, and he said my brother was tougher than me. Yeah. My, my brother was he. My brother was tough. He had no not much skill, but he's very, very tough. Very tough, yeah. Um, he, didn't, he didn't play footy, but he played rugby. Um, and... I think my whole life or my whole thing was about proving I'm tougher than my brother. Yeah. Um, so that's why I just, the bigger the person was, it was just like the bigger the challenge and no one expected a small bloke to take out the big bloke. So, <laughs> I love, yeah. See, I love that. I love that um, driving force because I had my driving force and I've talked about it on the show early days was when my father's uh, best friend uh, was just completely shocked that I'd made some selected side down there in Tasmania. And and his his comments were just so rude so shocking that it made me feel so inferior that I, I, I swore I never wanted to feel like that again. So anytime I did something, it was going to be ball-tearing crazy hard, right? Now, my hard was a different to your hard. My hard was go at everything hard. Like the ball's in the air, no fear. Just jump. Just go Just go wherever it is. Don't worry about your head. Don't worry about your body. I didn't tackle like you did. That wasn't my thing. I wasn't great at that, but the ball was on the ground. I would just throw everything at it to get it. It was messy, but it was all born of this guy who said I wasn't good enough. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear how you wanted to beat your brother and you, you never wanted anyone to say that your brother, brother's better than you. That's absolutely brilliant. I love that. Hey, a question I've got for you. Um, the drinking thing, which I think is amazing that you were able to stave it off. Did you feel, and be honest with this because we can talk about this stuff now, did you feel pressured to drink? Did you ever feel that pressure to have a drink? No. No, I mean, boys <laughs> try to spike my drinks and that's all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not pressure though, really, yeah, though, is it? They try to do Swifties, but you can obviously smell it and that sort of stuff. But like pretty much since I was 16, 17, 18, all my teammates had tried to um, get me to drink, so it was just par for the course. After a while, I just got they knew I wasn't going to um, cave in, so they just gave up. So I was taxi. I was a taxi for everyone. You were the taxi. You were our Uber driver every yeah. single time. I love this. The headline of this show is Melbourne Demon X players tried to spike Matty Whelan's drink. <laughs> Don't worry, I know that we we did this. Simon Godfrey was the same. Simon Godfrey, we've got to get him on the show and talk to him because he was a teetotaler as well. Uh, after probably a dangerous youth with alcohol. He had his reasons. I'd love to talk to him about it. Uh, <laughs> but we we used to make him skull lemonade, remember? Like we, he had the skull lemonade and you probably had to do the same as well. And just yeah. trying to make him to have a beer. This lemonade's horrible. you got a skull. Have a beer and you'll be right. That's terrible. That is so bad. I think I only went to a couple of wakes just because it was like no point in me being there, to be honest. So yeah, yeah. Um, just experience it for the first couple of years and then there was like, that was it. I love it, and you're not supposed to talk about this sort of stuff, but but it's it's infamy stuff, really, isn't it? Like my our first, well, my first wake was you weren't there. I, this was two or three years before you got to the club, but 
we had it at a place called the Saloon Bar down on Turak Road. Anyone remember the, the saloon down on Turak? It might not, I mean, it's definitely not there anymore. I think we destroyed it that day. Uh, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what I was walking into. You had to be there at 10 o'clock. And if you're a minute late, it was a, a, a pot for every minute you were late or every five minutes you were late after that. I remember Craig Nettlebeck was late. He had like, <laughs> he had to have like five, <laughs> five uh, pots, bang, 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 bang. And you'd think, okay, five pots, you could last with that. That's okay. But it wasn't beer. It was Guinness. You had to have warm Guinness at 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. It was awful. So if anything is going to turn you off the drink, that is – I remember at 3 o'clock in the afternoon wheels, I reckon I was passed out in the toilet. And I remember the toilet was so backed up, there was this much fluid on the ground of the <laughs> – bathroom and I was asleep in it and I woke up and I'm stinking drunk and I walk back out and I see one of my old teammates um he, he only lasted a year this is probably why he was in the corner I remember Paul Hobgood who had his drink was talking to him and we you know Mark Winnerton you might remember him was bawling his eyes out <laughs> bawling his eyes out it's tragic it's terrible but this is what we used to do and all I can do is laugh about it now because you just feel sad about it because we probably destroyed a lot of people's careers. <laughs> we know this now. Science has moved on. But, hey, <laughs> it's good days. Good stories anyway. Oh, good stories. Wheels, talk to me about um, uh, the Northern Territory. You're an icon of football up there. You might not think that you are, but you are, especially with the Buffaloes. Um, yes. Now, you're in the – I think it's the Buffaloes team of the century. You, you, you've been inducted into the Northern Territory Football Hall of Fame yet? You Surely that's coming soon. Yes, that's happened. You know, we've got to be pretty proud of that as a Melbourne Football Club to say that we've plucked this kid from, from Darwin. He's come down here into the white man's world, like I said before. He's done everything right. He's pushed his body so hard and he's gone back. And basically back home, you're to a lot of young kids, you're a hero. That, that probably doesn't sit well with you, knowing how humble you are, but that's the truth of it. How does that make you feel? No, obviously very humbled by it, by it all and the recognition, but um, it was weird. I remember when I got inducted into the AFLNT Hall of Fame, um, all the other people that were getting inducted that night, like that was the um, – they were the blokes that I sort of grew up watching and they were my heroes and the legends and um, that's the people I see as obviously legends and that sort of stuff, you know. So um, yeah. it didn't sit right with me, but, you know, it is what it is and I'm sure I'll reminisce and, you know, take those accolades as they get a bit older. But, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't quite sit right with me. But um, I was just – I was very proud, obviously, But because my uncle, um, Warren McCoy, he's already in the Hall of Fame as well, so it was just great to join in. I'm hoping at some stage my grandfather might get inducted as well. So wow. um, he's sort of played a lot of footy in Central Australia and won a few medals there and a, few, a lot of premierships with Pioneer Football Club. So wow. uh, that's been one of the actually good things going back to um, play um, games in Alice Springs um, yeah. Club. Um, I've actually been able to go to the Pioneer Football Club um, and see photos of my grandfather when he was young and when he was playing in premiership teams and that sort of stuff. So yeah. I only met him um, once or twice in my life. Um, yeah, so it was actually nice to actually see him as a young fella wow. um, yeah, playing footy So in those photos. So it's very, very special. Wow. Hey, tell me if this is – and I've got a video I'm going to play in a second, uh, but tell me uh, – just talking about what we're doing there, but tell me how special I must feel – I should feel, okay, about this because I'm not sure – and I've been told that I should feel really special. We're in Darwin for a TV show. This was nothing to do with Melbourne Football Club. It was a, a promotional thing for Tourism NT, and I had to play music on stage with Phil Sobrano, my great mate Phil Sobrano. 
And do you know that amphitheater there where there's that big grass hill there? Mm -hmm. Is it the botanical gardens down there? Yeah. Um, beautiful. Just one of the most epic places to watch a concert, Dave. You've got to go to Darwin. And if you do, they have a they have a great festival every single year. Um, music festival. Um, there's so the much. Grass. What's that one, mate? Splendor in the Grass. Or Splendor in like the Grass, yes. And then they have, uh, what's the Mindel Market as well? Mindel. Yep. Mind, amazing. Mind, yep. Amazing. You've got to go to Darwin if you haven't been. Some of the, the great eating. Anyway, we're at this uh, event, um, Splendor in the Grass, and I was about to go up on stage. And one of the indigenous kids was there with his family. And I'm going to say probably about 14, 15 years of age. And he comes up to me, he goes, uncle, uncle Robbo. <laughs> we all call you uncle, brother. We all call you uncle. We all call you uncle because you, we loved you. We loved you. And, he, and then he goes through all my stats, my weight, my height, where I was drafted <laughs> from. Unbelievable. I was like, wow, how do you know all this stuff? He goes, oh, don't worry about it. We call you uncle. You're part of the, apparently that's a pretty big deal to be called part of the family in the indigenous uh, realm or, or am I been told porky pies? No, that's true. Um, I mean, it's like with the Aboriginal community, it's, it's very sort of obviously the nuclear family is very different the way things are set up. But um, obviously if people love you and that sort of stuff, they'll, they'll call you uncle or they'll basically um, claim you. <laughs> You'll get claimed a fair bit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, take it as a very big mark of respect and that sort of stuff. Wow. They obviously love you and um, love all the stuff that you do. I bloody well am going to make uh, take it as a mark of respect. And you take this as a mark of respect. We've got your induction here. So chuck, chuck this video on wheels. Recollect, remember over this uh, for a second. Former Darwin Buffalo and Melbourne AFL player. Matthew Whelan is tonight inducted to the NT Hall of Fame. Matthew had an outstanding junior career, playing in the Darwin Buffalo's 1996-97 Senior Colts Premiership and taking the Club Best and Fairest Award after winning the Hunter Harrison Medal, playing for the NTFL against an Alice Springs-based CAFL side at under-15 level. A junior representative player at secondary level 1995 and three times in the Teal Cup 1995, 96 and 97. Matthew made his NTFL league debut in 1996-97 and went on to play 65 Premier League games. Drafted from Sandville Club Woodville West Torrens to AFL Club Melbourne in 1999, Matthew carved out a 10-year, 150-game playing career before injury curtailed his playing days in 2009. Using a tough junior rugby league tackling background, Matthew's nickname of Whelan the Wrecker followed him into AFL ranks where the opposition felt the full force of his 80-kilogram frame. A nephew of champion Palmerston Hall of Fame member Warren McCoy, Matthew earned selection in the 2003 and 2005 Indigenous All-Stars, which defeated Carlton and the Western Bulldogs respectively. Matthew was named in the Darwin Buffaloes Team of the Century in 2017. Wow. Oh, see, I wanted to show that video mostly because of the highlights of you in there. There were some bloody beautiful highlights. Sure, tell me you've got that photo of you and Paul Kelly. You, Paul Kelly in the background. I mean, how good yeah. a player was he? Yeah, no, that was in my first year. So I actually remember that game very vividly. Um, played on him for the whole game, but in the first quarter, he'd kicked two goals, something on me. He was towering me up a little bit. That's right. I um, and then I'd, um, and I think the word was they were sort of um, saying, get get wheels off him, you can't handle him. And then Dennis backed me in, and then I turned it around and changed the way I played him and then kept him goalless for the rest of the game and actually had a really good day and was one of the better players. So, yeah, that's that love I think Dennis has for me. And while well, I love Dennis, you know, he'd back his players in, um, sometimes to his own detriment when we're having a shocker and it continued the whole day. But, um, yeah. you know, 
Um, a lot of players that play a lot of football only understand that's what he was like, and he'd certainly back back his players in. And that's why we loved him. So, how did you go about your game? Like, yeah, did you study a lot of the players that you're about to play on? Were you one of those guys, or were you one of those guys that just backed yourself in to play pretty hardcore on this fella, spoil, tackle, and just try to win the ball yourself? Um, well, basically, all I really like to do is just find out what foot they kicked with. That was the main thing. Um, as because generally when you're under pressure, you'll go to your favourite side. So yeah, um, always just made sure I knew what was their preferred foot. I mean, a lot of players could kick both feet, but like I said, under pressure, you generally go to the what, your most dominant side. So that's the yeah. way I sort of played football. And then it was just like I didn't care who I lined up on, especially in the early days. I didn't really think about it. As I got older, I probably worried a bit too much. But yeah. um, in my early days, I just, just played and just try to have fun and try to hit hard and tackle. So that was my favourite bit of the game, tackling. So, yeah. um, yeah. Now, you were a defender uh, and and I was a forward and we had mids and then we had utilities. We we would be – sometimes we would, in a pre-season, to make pre-season interesting, Davo, we would have – you know where I'm going with this straight away. He knows exactly where. (laughs) We would be put into these teams just just to – you know, competitions against each other. I, I remember one year we were we were um, doing things like getting Melbourne horse, Melbourne uh, Cup horse winners down because uh, we're all it was to do with a racing theme. Uh, this particular year it was more midfielders, forwards, backs, utilities. Four teams up against each other. Lots of different things throughout the whole preseason to try to win these points to at the end of the preseason win a prize for your line group. Well, we were supposed to go to uh, a national park here in Victoria called Wheels. Do you remember what it's called? I've forgotten. Was that the one we did archery in that? It's the one where it's the one where we had to go in this national park and go and find things. We slept in tents. We had three oh, days. Mount Bogle? Mount Mount Bogle. That's the Up one. That Bogle. Up that way, right? Yeah. Big national park. Like and, and you were given a tent and some you had to bring your own food. And a couple of things that you're allowed to choose once we got to the the, the, the meeting point and go out and live for two days. Yeah. <laughs> Grampians, Nita's got it. The Grampians, thank you, Nita. Nita's still on. <laughs> Nita, love you. Um, big shout out to Nita too. And uh, the the latest release of uh, one of his beers, um, it's going quite well at the moment. Obviously, the Social Beast, we know, we know the Social Beast. Nita, write it down. For me again, the name of your beer, uh, the new the new beer that you've got. Uh, we'll give it a massive plug because for Christmas, this is the drink that you want to have. It's a lighter tasting beer. <laughs> and it's again, remember the proceeds uh, go to fight MND. That's just a little side thing. Nita, write down the name of the beer again for me. I just can't think on the fly right now as I'm thinking about the Grampians. I'll continue on with the story because there's a couple of stories that come out of this. So we've all gone, Davo. We've gone all like, right, what can we do to be clever to get food, you know, to make sure that we've got food to live for the three days? So <laughs> I was obviously mouth of the south. Mouth of the south. Mouth of the south. Get your mouth around that. Thank you, Nita. Buy mouth of the south. Demon supporters, please. Because we know that a lot of the proceeds go to Fight MND and we know what the social beast is doing uh, for Neil Danaher and his cause as well. So good on you, Nita. Nita, you remember this story. I'm going to tell the Schwarter story in a minute. <laughs> and Nita, you can jump in on this one. Uh, but we had to uh, survive basically for two to three days. Um, so we've all gone and got like, you know, the trail mix nuts. <laughs> Nita's got one of those little burner things and bought the porridge packet so you could get us all bre- uh, breakfast in the morning. We could have porridge. It's great, whatever. Um, everyone had their own little thing going on. Wheels the <laughs> night before. <laughs> the 
night before, goes and buys two pizzas. <laughs> and we're all like, what's that? What are you doing buying two pizzas? He goes, forget about it. It's gonna be all right. We're like, nah, that's terrible. Whatever. What was the what was the making pizza first? Uh, what well, did you probably, have on? Probably meat lovers, I'd reckon. Barbecue <laughs> <Love Jimmy> meat lovers. <laughs> Puts the meat lovers on top of each other in a plastic bag. Chucks it in the bag and ready to go, boys. <laughs> that's it. And for the next three days, every now and then, he just pull a bit of pizza out. And eat it in front of us. And here's me with my trail mix and my crappy whatever. And I'm looking at it and looking at wheels going, can I have a bit of pizza? <laughs> <laughs> One of the best moves you ever made. Smartest moves ever because everyone wanted your pizza. Am I right? Everyone laughed at me, but everyone wanted my pizza. Because <laughs> pizza lasts. It lasts. Cold pizza is awesome. I love cold pizza. <laughs> Tasted bloody good. Oh, Instant too. Instant, Robert. You don't have to it, wait and cook it on those transient things, remember? You don't need a microwave to warm it up. You just knew. You were so smart. We got all this canned tuna, can of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot I was. That's probably why I was in the office with Janice about yeah, my yeah. skin all the time. <laughs> but in that moment when you're chowing down on a bit of meat, lovers pizza after a day and a half of not eating any food, <laughs> we're all this... Oh, give us some pizza. <laughs> and he had that look on his face. They were just giggling at us like, nah. <laughs> I remember that a Ziploc bag was a bit sweaty, though. From all the... It's forming its own, um, own little world in there. Because it was pretty warm. It was oh, pretty it was. warm. Yeah. Like, a bit of worry of salmonella, but it didn't happen. His iron guts over here got through it. Oh, pretty good for me skin folds if I got oh. it. And anyway, so here's the thing, right? I'm in the forward, so I didn't have to see the pizza too much. But would cross paths every now and then in this massive national park. Schwarter was a notorious complainer, <laughs> notorious whinger. Nita told this story in one of the shows earlier, early on. Uh, <laughs> and and Schwarter is in a tent. In my tent, actually, we we slept together in the same tent, and he's complaining. I'm sick feel sick and we're like sure sure Schwarter, you just want to go home mate he goes no nah, i'm crook i'm i'm out of here i'm not doing this it was a hard hard thing that we were doing right we just wanted to go back to our creature comforts and we knew Schwarter wanted to do that too but he was whinging it really anyway in the morning he's like oh that's boys me guts i don't think i can go out on this walk and we're getting really pissed off with him frustrated because we want we don't want to either uh just harden up Water, just come with us, mate. We need you. We need you. <laughs> anyway, he goes, no, nah, boys, I'm out. All right, whatever. And we left. We came back that night and we find out that Schwarter had been helicoptered out of the National Park with his, his appendix burst. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a bit like, oh. <laughs> but you you, you got to forgive us, though, don't you, Wheels, for thinking like that. Schwarter wasn't the, the best. Find a way to get out of things, and so boy, cried wolf, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, so good! I love all those stories. It's just coming back to me. Hey, Wheels, we retired on the same day, mate. Uh, Talk to me about that day for you. How did it go down? How did it feel? Um, It's probably one of the better days, to be honest, because it's the first time my whole family actually me play. They're in the same place at the same time, so it's been my friends flew down from the interstate from. Other Australia and um, yeah, so it was actually 
or feelings like that day, but obviously um, it's a weird day because you know, all those emotions, excitement, but at the same time, it's the end of Ernie. Um, yeah. Help me get pumped pump by 70 points or whatever it was. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but it was a great day. Obviously, to share it with yourself and Paul Whitley as well. So, um, yeah, certainly um, one that I'll definitely remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, myself, and, and Wheatley, Paul Wheatley, Spud, who was another great man, another one of those uh, did it his own way kind of guy. You played down back with Wheats, and we saw him on your uh, highlight reel before. So I, I want to quickly, before I go to the next video of something that happened during your career, um, you, you had a really staunch group down there that was probably a little bit maligned because you had a, a fullback in Alistair Nicholson, the guy that was in the cage all the time that a lot of our supporters love to get stuck into. We've had him on the show, don't worry, so this is all good. Uh, Nico, and then you've got Clint Bizzle, you've got Paul Wheatley, you've got Nathan Brown, you had Anthony Eagerson for a little while. Talk to me about that back line through that era and how well did you gel and, and how did you go about things because, and we'll move forward soon into the the premiership team that has this amazing back line at the moment. Firstly, let's talk about your day. Yeah, I just um, I actually just had a ball down there. Um, when you're probably inside a club, you probably don't hear a lot of the stuff that's happening outside, but... Um, you know, you just form close bonds with, I guess, all your teammates, but particularly with all the boys I spent a lot of time with in the back line. And when you do those camps that you spoke you spoke about, when you're in those groups, you form those bonds even more. So, um, you know, we just rode the highs and lows of, of AFL football and, you know, a great relationships with most of those boys. So it's something I obviously cherish. And, yeah, I mean, still keep up um, in touch with Nico here and there. And um, he's, he's done some great things since he's left um, AFL football and, and he's continuing to do great things now. So, um, yeah, yeah got Paul Wheatley just lives not far from me, so he's still one of my great mates. So his yeah. wife and my wife are, are best friends, and that's how um, we met and that sort of stuff. And, yeah, so um, still still really close with him. Yeah. Question from the floor before was, how many kids have you got, Wheels? What you got going on there at home? Tell them. Yeah, I'm not like Flash. I've only got three. <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got five like him, but, um, yeah, I've got uh, a 12-year-old boy. Uh, ten-year-old daughter and a three-year-old boy as well. So, um, yeah, they're keeping me busy at stage, been homeschooling and that sort of stuff. I mean, the wife's yeah. been doing it. Um, yeah, no, got three, three little ones, and they keep me busy. So, absolutely, now, happy and healthy. Oh, that's great, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess the question is going to be: Do they any of them like football at all? Are they playing football? Yeah, my son's starting to really um, enjoy football. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see his journey. So he's starting to get. A little bit bigger now, so um, we turn to next month. So yeah, we started with um, uh, the father son academy, that sort of stuff, the clubs that sell so, so, so yourself there with Ted and that sort of stuff. So um, and with the other folks we go forward with yeah. kids now. So, yeah, we got so many. Um... And it, yes, it was too. I I saw that your missus put up a uh, Renee put up a uh, a photo of you saying happy birthday to this great man. It was your birthday yesterday, mate. Happy birthday! Thank you, thank you. We don't we don't, we don't celebrate them anymore, though, do we? We don't do no, that. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> to, remember oh, how old you're? Oh God, you're reminded every day now. Um, there's something that did happen in your career, and and I'm not sure if we've got this one loaded up. Um. It's there somewhere, Dave. I only see if you can find it. When we were playing Richmond at Etihad Stadium, it's probably going to be on. I want to talk about this. is one of those big things that happened in your career. And everyone would remember when Nathan Brown uh, had his leg 
uh, snapped in half by your, your good self. <laughs> it's, a, it's a physical game. It happens. Um, we're, we're just getting this up. But, mate, I was down the other end of the ground. Here we go. Oh, oh, not yet. Let's see if we can uh, – yeah, that's it. That's it. If you can chuck that up for us, Davo. Um, it's loud in my, my earphones, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're probably just hearing wheels and myself, so I'll keep talking until we can grab it. But um, Nathan Brown, who was a terrific player for us, and you always got the job on, Nath. You and Simon Godfrey, when Nath went into the middle of the ground, Brownie, you'd have to uh, – Godders went with him, but when he was playing maybe in a forward pocket, you'd have to line up on him as well. When that crack happened, mate, how did it feel for you? Well, I didn't really notice it at the start. Also, you probably see the footage of it, but um, I was just laying on his leg, obviously not realising what had happened. And then once yeah. I got up and I saw it pointing in the not quite straight, um, uh, obviously you knew it was a pretty serious injury and that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, there's part, there's part of me that's like, well, at least he can't kick any more goals on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or anybody else for a while. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's the other parts, obviously, oh, God, have probably ruined his career now. So, yeah, um, and he was, yeah. he was a fantastic player and he's in amazing form that year as well. So, well, I think he, he was, was first or second on the goal kicking, uh, Coleman that year. So, um, Richmond were flying at that stage as well. So, yeah, unfortunately, that happened to him. But, yeah. yeah. Well, we've got the, one of those things that happens in football, I don't know. And I think we've got the footage here. Are we ready to roll? Let's, let's have a look. Mother, was it? We'll get rid of that because whew, we'll just get rid of the sound as well. It's one of those things that happens in football. Uh, the, uh, I love that Gary Lyon gets fed into this a lot. <laughs> I love that Gary Lyon's crying uh, on the stretcher. I love that. But he's one of my favorite bits of footage. Oh, sorry, Gary. Uh, where Nathan has just got his hands like this, obviously in shock after such a massive injury. Mm. Uh, but Gary is the absolute opposite end of that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that was that was you desperation, and you did nothing wrong there. Have you? Ever, did you talk to Nathan after that? No, I remember phoning him probably on the, the Wednesday or Thursday of that week, more than obviously the week that following week, um, just to touch base with him. Something I got in contact with his manager somehow and just got his number, but just wanted to see if he was all right and. Um, yeah, but the, poor, the poor thing, like the first, his very first game back in the VFL, I think it was his first game, I actually lined up on him again. Oh. I was playing VFL and God. he was my opponent. And as I'm walking down to him, he's just going, um, don't fall on my effing leg, you know. <laughs> that was his, I, think it was, I think it was his very first game back. I could be wrong, but yeah. yeah. So poor oh. thing. Um, yeah, obviously he was never quite the same player after no. After that, but he 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 was generally like not many left footers can kick their opposite foot or well yeah. anyway. Yeah, and he generally could kick both feet just as good. And I'll probably put obviously Adam Uze and maybe an Adam sort of in that sort of small sort of group. I think that can do it both just as good as each other. But he, yeah. like, he was an exceptional footballer, and unfortunately that happened to him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and I agree with that. He was always walk-up start to the Australian team every single year, All-Australian. And we had to stop him and we had to stop, I suppose, Richo was the other guy mm. that he had to stop. That was – that was. A, let's let's talk – before we – I mean, we've got to wind things up pretty soon because it's, um, you know, we can't stay on for too long. But, say, 
your, your toughest opponents is always a question that everyone loves to to ask and what you did to beat those guys. And um, we'll move on to the next question, which will probably be just to warm you up is, you know, one of your, your some of your best memories of playing for Melbourne. So firstly, let's go with your toughest opponent. Um, for me, it was probably Philip Matera. Um, he, he pants he me a few times. So, um, yeah, I've, I had nightmares about him. So there's mm. probably a, two games where I beat him and I reckon there's probably about three or four. He absolutely just pulled me pants down and just shattered, <laughs> shattered the old confidence. So, um, yeah, he's definitely, like, over a long period of time, he was definitely probably the, the hardest player for me. Did you play on his brother? In my first year, in my first year I'm playing on, I think it was Philip or Peter, and then... Yep. I remember one of them going to the bench and then the other one comes on. So it's like, that was more. Like, <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. You know, usually when someone goes to the bench as a back, you think, oh, I'll get someone a bit easier, you know? And then yeah. another brother comes on. So it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. So, yeah, it was, um, but I still remember that game really fondly because oh, there's some people from the territory in the, in the crowd and they'll yelling out some. Um, Naughty words they probably shouldn't have been in in, uh, in language and that from Darwin. So uh, I still remember that game pretty vividly. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, and you're salivating at the moment, Dave, because he's a West Coast yeah. Eagles supporter. They were two terrific players. Only Phil was amazing. Phil was amazing at kicking goals. I think he gets underrated. He gets overshadowed by his brother Peter because mm-hmm. Peter could play in the middle and he was so electrifying through those premiership teams. But then Phil... With, around Scott Cummings' feet, he was unbelievable, wasn't he, Wills? He, he'd just bob up and kick five or six every single week. Yeah, well, he kicked about 50 or 60 most years. Like, he was a really – he was yeah. a lot different. He was a different sort of small forward. So he wasn't your typical drop of the ball like your Stephen Milne. Um, he was more of like a really like a leading forward because the full forward would go out and he'd – the ball would go over his head and then he'd come in from the other side, sort of slide in and take these sort of – Chess marks low and that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's very different to I guess most sort of small forwards that I, that I played on. That's probably why I struggled with him. Yeah, got some question coming questions coming through before I get to my last one. Uh, who was your bunny? Who who did you always whoop? You'd never say you whooped anyone and they were your bunny, but who did you find that you had pretty good games against? Um, I don't know. I found like whenever I went to Western Australia or South Australia, I tend to play pretty good. I don't know why, probably because I probably yeah. ate better, probably ate better food because <laughs> I'd eat with the team. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I found whenever I travelled, oh, I like travelling. So um, yeah, it's been from the territory, and you probably I've noticed as well. I loved it. Because you had to travel to represent your state and that sort of yep. stuff. So yeah, some of the Victorians boys were a bit bit precious, you know, and counting down the days till they went back on the on the plane. So yeah, calling you know, their misses all the time, and <laughs> yeah. No, we were. I mean, that's not, nothing wrong with calling your missus, but feeling it's the way you feel really lonely about it. We're like, hell, this is just par for the course. You know, this is awesome. And I love going away with the boys too. I, I saved my best games for the West Coast Eagles, actually, and, and probably less so Fremantle, but I enjoyed the big open grounds. But more than that, I did enjoy going away with my teammates hmm. and, and being in a hotel. And, and, I, and I, I do not feel like. The, the current team going away and being in that uh, uh, compound where they were um, and playing games and winning finals, that's not hard. That that would have been absolutely wonderful, a wonderful time that they'll always remember. And, of course, they brought home the premiership. Mm. Um, that backline wheels before my last question, which was um, – no, I asked it, didn't I? That backline at the moment, what do you make of that? Because, geez, wow. Just, just it's got a bit of everything. I think that's the that's the beauty of it. You got Maisie, who's the the rock, and 
you know, he's probably undersized to be honest. And he takes on those big, big forwards. And um, I love the way he plays. He's a very sort of old school footballer. Um, I think a lot of the younger blokes um, don't know how to defend properly one on one. Um, whereas Maisie, you know, he used to be one out with Buddy Franklin and those sort of fellas. So he's also he doesn't give doesn't give the the forwards a run and jump at the ball, which which was what I love. So. Um, but he obviously knows how to play the modern game and his, his skills are elite as well. So, yeah. Um, and then you've got obviously Jake does the intercepting marks and that sort of stuff. And then you've got the, the smaller blokes just um, creating that run and drive off the back half with their skills. So, yeah. I think it's just a great, great mix. And Harrison Petty was able to slip in very nicely. You know, yeah. unfortunately, Tomo got, got injured as well, who's doing a great job there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's looking good. It's such a young group. You know, Maisie's only, what, 28 or 29 or whatever he is. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's the oldest one back there. So, I mean, there's plenty, plenty of growth still. So, yeah, uh, very exciting. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and lastly, I guess the question just has to be asked. Cozzy, uh, just an amazing uh, rise this year. We, I think we forget that he's just a baby. He's a mm. kid. Uh, he's got a great uncle, uh, one of the <laughs> one of the funniest blokes you will ever meet, By, By, Byron Pickett. And I didn't even get into some of the stories about him. But uh, remember when we landed, I think it was landed in Darwin, and a couple of Indigenous kids came up to, to Byron and thought he was Michael Long. Yeah. That's a great story, that one. <laughs> I'm not going to say what. I'm not going to say what happened. If you ever see Wheels or me in the street, come and ask about the. Uh, Byron Pickett, uh, Darwin incident. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but Cozzy, talk to me about uh, what you saw there on field. Oh, he's just um, he's just a freak. He can do, he can do it all. I mean, he's got the he's got that physical presence for such a small bloke. I mean, he doesn't have quite have the the size that his uncle did, but it's scary to thinking you know once he's twenty one and that sort of age group that he's, yeah. he's going to be the you know the physical uh, matured man and he hits heart hits like a now, so um, I mean, he can do it all. He can. He's, he's going to take mark of the year. Probably beat you, Robbo. Take a big uh, mark. Of, I, mark absolutely. Of the year. I hope he does. I never got mark of the year though. Remember, I, I never Jesus. got there. I oh, know. What the hell? <laughs> I was at an, I was at an event yesterday with uh, Brendan Favola, and they were getting stuck into me. The guy that's that went for more speakers than any person ever in the history of the <laughs> AFL, and never actually won. <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a mark of the year. Well, get stuffed, everybody, because at least I tried. <laughs> exactly. Didn't I wonder, mate? Uh, oh, God. Um, he's, he's just skillful as well. He's like left and right foot. He's just ridiculous how, how skillful he is. So, 100%. Just gets better. And um, yeah, and obviously, hopefully, we're going to be winning more than we're losing. So, you get the opportunity to show showcase his wares. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And does it make you feel, lastly, last question before I say goodbye to you? Um, does it make you feel pride or what does it make you feel? Because the Indigenous players have always been the most exciting players on our football fields. What we see from people like Liam Jarrell when he comes from Yindamu, which is the middle of Australia, but like a commune that's an hour from anything that is remotely what we see in our day-to-day lives now, to come down to the freezing cold Melbourne winter and play football like that, but still do these amazing things. And you see... Day in, day out. I mean, I saw some footage of Eddie Betts. I'm not, who was he playing for up and down? Did you see that? Magpies. Yeah, playing for the Palmerston Magpies. Yeah. Uh, another boundary line goal. It must just make you feel really proud of your um, your culture, your your Indigenous brothers. They just keep doing these amazing things on a football field. 
yeah, we've just got to get the coaches to stop coaching them. So um, I think they're, they're better without coaching, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I think that's, they just bring that natural flair. That's that's who they grew up with, you know, playing with all their cousins. And I think anyone that's got older siblings or older relatives that they play any sport against, you know, they're always – you've got to develop certain tricks to beat those older ones. So I think it's just that growing yeah. up and trying to match it with the older siblings that gives anyone an advantage. doesn't matter whether you're black, white or brindle. 100%. 100%. Benny Shadow says, what number did Byron wear at the days? Oh, I don't remember. Was he 30? 33. 33. Yeah, Flashy was 36. Because he took the Wizards number 33. Of course he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah good on you, Benny. Oh, that's great. Hey, uh, Wheels, and I mean this most sincerely because it's it's just easy for me. When you sort of get – you play football together for a long time, Dave, and you played football and you played hockey and you play whatever. When you play in a team together – and you play long enough, you just become something else. There's there's a difference in, in your relationship. And for me and Wheels and Paul Wheatley and Adam Uze and all us guys, when we catch up, it just feels like that we're all just brothers and and, and we'll do absolutely anything for you. And it sounds like a throwaway line, but it's true, isn't it, Wheels? There's this, there's this feeling like it just cuts through lines. I'm a Tasmanian, you're a Territorian, you know, but it, it just doesn't matter. We had this common thing. And if you ever ask me for anything, then, I, then it would just happen. And vice versa, it's a warm feeling knowing that you've got people out there like that because we, we, we battled together. And you are one of those guys in my life that it doesn't matter what or how far or where or when, we'll always have this common thing that we're just, just, you're just like my brother. And it's just mm. so awesome. You, we've got a lot of them, haven't we? Oh, exactly. I think it's just that going through all the ups and downs of um, life and, and footy um, exacerbates that sort of stuff and all those camps, you, you know. Yeah, good things and the bad things that we can talk about and can't talk about that that's what bonds you and yeah I just have that common commonality that's right right. and it's people like that those are the guys you can always rely on to spike your drink (laughs) (laughs) that's love that shows you love someone when they're not drinking and they don't want to drink and they've said they don't want to drink and then you spike their drink (laughs) No wonder he doesn't share your pizza. <laughs> That's right. And when we ask for the pizza, <laughs> and when, next time we're in the Grampians together, wheels. <laughs> next time, I want a bit of pizza. All right, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Get your own. Get your own, but <laughs> I love it. That's been awesome, wheels. Go back to that family, mate, because there's probably feeding time at the zoo. There, go yeah, go get some food yeah. in here. I think so. uh, I will catch up. December fifth is coming around fast. I'm sure you'll be there at the mcg can't wait for that brother yep pre-season starts next day oh wow get down and some of the boys have already started training have you seen this this is awesome Mm. yep no rest rest anymore no rest anymore they're committed we were committed too but just not as much uh (laughs) eating pizza for training or yeah Yes. Eating pizza and spiking drinks, you know that go to hungry jack straight after the game with woody yeah (laughs) and brucey and all those bo morris mob down that way that's right. Mate, that were the days. It was fun. It was awesome. <laughs> Everyone has loved seeing you, Wheels. I've loved seeing you. I can't wait to catch up soon, mate. And uh, go well. So, talk Thanks. soon. Thanks for having me, guys. See you, mate. See you.